Yo, what up? It's your boy, Cool Shep. This podcast is brought to you by my boy, Joey T. And Tyrese Maxi. But right now, you know, we just maxing on the courts. Hailing from the streets of South Philly. Sometimes it gets a little hectic out there. But right now, we go up you on how we just chill. What is going on, Sixers fans? Welcome back in to another edition of Trust the Podcast. I am your host, Joe Tube. And as always, I'm joined by two guests today. One, uh, both have been on before. One is a fellow 76ers fan, Mr. Jim Hartnett. The other, a Boston Celtics fan, Zach yeah. Allen. Yep. Guys, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I'm also doing splendid. Splendid. Well, Jim and I, Zach, we're definitely doing splendid. The Sixers successfully swept the Brooklyn Nets out of the playoffs, and they are they're the, they were the first team to advance into the second round. And what have we been talking about? Zach and I talked about a few months back. Jim, I think, talked about it a couple pods ago. The prospect of a Sixers-Celtics second-round series is very much on the horizon. That's why we wanted to sit down and preview that today. But you know, Zach, we thought the Celtics would have already secured that matchup. Even though the Hawks took, I think it was game three, we thought Celtics in five, they'll move on. This series will begin on Thursday. Joel Joel Embiid won't have as much time to rest that knee injury as, as we would hope. But then Atlanta in game five last night comes up with a huge upset win. So, Zach, I'll start with you as the Celtics fan. Just what's your thoughts on that series right now? How are you feeling about your team? You know, I would be lying if I said I didn't think it was going to be Celtics in five after the. I thought they get one game, one Trey Young master class. Mm-hmm. But I was not expecting that at home in Boston, series on the line. I thought, oh, all right, this is a, a formality. We'll move on to, to you guys next. And it looked like that for most of the game. I'm disappointed, yeah. obviously, with that performance. But for the rest of the series, it's the Boston Celtics, and the Hawks are like a 500 team. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried at all about the rest of the series. Okay. We'll get one of the last two games. Move on. Hopefully, it's in six, mm-hmm. but not in not seven, though. Yeah, I I think that confidence is well placed. I think the Celtics. I, I would not predict them to lose this series just because of what happened yesterday. But that comeback by Atlanta was quite the sight to see. I definitely didn't see it coming, Jim. Just watching the Celtics from afar. You know, maybe even rooting against them. Just what's your thoughts on how they've looked uh, recently against Atlanta in a series that a lot of people thought they maybe they would pull off a sweep? Yeah, I think that I don't know if they ahead of the series, I would have said they would have pulled off the sweep just because of who Trey Young is. I hope he that that he pushes it to a game seven, because the more that Boston plays leading up to the Sixers series, the less rested they are, the more rested the Sixers are. They'll have played in over a week so it'll be a big yeah yeah for sure and with Embiid that was the big thing all the Sixers fan won was that extra rest because it's been so many times with Embiid getting injured in the playoffs before that even in a series we swept you know he didn't even have to play game four Paul Reed and and Maxie and Harden took care of business but uh yeah just to get that extra rest is huge and Atlanta's really doing us a big favor maybe this is their their uh their apology for what happened two years ago Zach Trey Young and the Hawks, the Sixers were very much a better team than Atlanta when they faced them back then. Uh, you know, they, they, Philly was the one seed that year. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, Atlanta's shooting was able to overcome a team that, you know, they weren't they weren't supposed to be better. And are you are you at all fearful of this Boston team? Because I know you got Tatum. I know you got Brown. But, you know, you got a rookie head coach. Quinn Snyder, the new Hawks coach, he wasn't their coach all year. He's had a lot of winning seasons. Are, are you are just even a little bit worried at all? 
this is going to sound really biased, but I'm not worried at all for the first round. Mm -hmm. Now, if this starts happening consistently later on, if we play the Sixers, then it's going to start worrying me because though it may have been put on blast last night, this is a common theme, I think, that I see a lot. In the fourth quarter, the Celtics sell S-E-L-L ticks. We have double-digit leads. And we start rolling the ball up the court with eight minutes left, mm-hmm. playing a long shot clock, and then we chuck up a three and teams get back into the game. So it was not surprising to me to see this. I was watching with my roommates, and I was like, this is where we start blowing it. I was about to go and rant there on Marcus Smart, <laughs> kind of setting that whole thing off. But back to your original question, I, I'm not worried at all. It happens probably once every three games, and mm-hmm. even though – I thought it was going to end there. No DeJounte Murray either. Yeah, right. it, I'm, I'm not fearful going for it. And like I said earlier, I think that's fair. I think the Celtics are going to win yeah. this series. I think they're obviously the better team. But you mentioned like those. What do you think the reason is that this Celtics team has had trouble holding on to leads? Like because you have Tatum and Brown, two great scorers, and you got this all around really strong two way two way roster. So what do you think the issue has been? To as a fan, what do you think? Well, last game. Joe Mazzulla just didn't call timeouts. They go on this huge run, and Trey Young's knocking stuff down. I think he had, what, over 10 straight points at a time. Just slow them down, call a timeout, and if they still keep hitting after that, it's there's nothing really you can do. But there was almost no attempt. It was just the timeouts were almost just rolling the ball up the floor. Marcus Smart, Tatum went one for 11 from three that game. Not the best game. Jalen Brown had a great game you know at the very end that it just comes down to joe because that inbounds play at the end really was like Horford, the yeah. nail in the coffin i don't know any play that should be drawn up to al horford that's not a kick out three in the corner so i think it some of the rookie coaching is kind of coming into play here yeah i don't think when the celtics brought horford back uh after his stint with the sixers it was for offense at all jim Going to Zach's point about how the Celtics have they've had some trouble keeping leads. This is kind of a flip on dynamic because the Sixers in past years, that's been kind of what's one of the reasons we've been held back is that you can't hold on to those leads. You let these bad teams come back against you where this season, the Celtics have been doing that more and the Sixers have been finishing games a lot more effectively. Does that encourage you for a potential Sixers Celtics playoff series that could be soon on the horizon? It definitely does because it's playoff basketball. It's a different level of gameplay. It's faster. Um, so I just think that the experience that Harden has in the playoffs and Bede has in the playoffs um, will kind of surmount what Tatum and Jalen Brown and Horford and Missoula bring to the table. Um, but like you said, our ability to close out games has been something that um, has been rare for Sixers fans. And even when the Sixers were down, I think it was like eight points going into the fourth of that game four game or 10 points or th- whatever it was. You know, the ability to swing it that quickly, or no, it was the third. You know, we went in, we went in down eight and then swung it to where we were up eight. Um, it was crazy, like be able to do that in one quarter. So yeah, it was the Brooklyn Nets, but I think honestly the Brooklyn Nets might have been a tougher challenge than the Atlanta Hawks. So the thing about that, Brooklyn's defense, I know the Sixers swept them, but like you just said, the Sixers had to come back in multiple games in that series, and they did so tenfold. But that Nets defense, 
And it was number seven in the league after the All-Star break. I think people yeah. don't really respect that enough because with Claxton and Bridges, I mean, we saw – we can talk about Harden in a bit here, but Harden, for example, was – at when it comes to at the rim and getting to the foul line, he was slowed very much in that series. And the fact that the Sixers were able to tough it out with, you know, Melton and Tucker making these hustle plays and just kind of being able to overcome, you know, Embiid's injury in game three, his absence in game four, I think that's huge. Now, the thing about the Celtics, though, Zach, you're coming off a finals trip, and I, I would I don't question you know the toughness the the skill level of Tatum or Brown or even Smart who's you know reigning defensive player of the year even if he's had you know his up and downs offensively over the course of his career just do you have any counter to our point where we think the Sixers kind of are more ready to go to go to go to battle in the, these playoffs this year do you do you think your concerns can be overcome against the Sixers? Yeah, I do. Like you said, we're just off of a trip to the finals. And Joe Missoula was on that coaching staff right. that went to the finals. So I I kind of don't know why it's happening right now. But if the Celtics were to match up with the Sixers, I'd, I'm still fairly confident in the Celtics' abilities. I know Harden, that was a great point. Harden has a lot more playoff experience. And Bede is playing that he should be the MVP in my opinion this yep. season um right. again like we said a few months ago I just think it comes down to the bench play it's very critical when the stars come out and the Celtics are playing Robert Williams off the bench yeah. he was a finalist I think or up there for defensive oh, player yeah. of the year last he was year first team all defense if yeah. mistake. and Malcolm Brogdon sixth man of the year yeah and Sam Hauser brings some shooting on the floor when we need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it will be a test of experience versus, you know, sorry to say, a better team, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see what happens because the Sixers have been playing on a different level this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jim, I don't disagree that Boston has a better bench. I definitely think it's true. But, Jim, how – how confident are you that the Sixers role players, Tobias, we can even throw in there. He had an awesome series against Brooklyn. How confident are you that they can continue to bring this type of effort uh, surrounding the stars into round two against Boston? Do you think it's kind of, you know, a flash in the pan against a lesser team? Or do you think this is the year the Sixers finally get production from their bench in the playoffs? I hope it's the year because when the Celtics and Sixers last matched up a couple of weeks ago um, at the end of the regular season, and Bede had 52 points, which was a little bit over half of the total points that night. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else was really contributing, and they barely um, snuck by the Celtics by the skin of their teeth. So those situations can't happen. Like you can have a rare situation in a best of seven series where you know a game like that happens, but you can't win four games like that. And so you need Tobias Harris, you need PJ Tucker, you need DeAnthony Melton, you need even need some Shake Melton to show up and contribute where need be. Um, so, but I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we were on, when I was on with you that Tyrese Maxey, he needs to continue to show out and continue to play to the level that he's been doing all season. If he can get 20 points in a game, I don't see why the Sixers are losing because if he's getting 20 points and Bede's getting 20 points, Harden's getting 15 assists. It's it's just a recipe for success. So I think that trio, if they're all clicking together and know how to work off of each other, I think that over overcomes anything that Tatum, Brown, um, even Marcus Smart could do to them. So 
I mean, to come to that point, Derek White has been Derek White's been awesome. He's yeah, Derek White's been awesome. factor at times. Whenever the second units come on the floor, he he just seems to take over. Yeah, he's, he's. I also think the Sixers the match up defensively, though. What did you much say? Better. I think the Sixers match up much better defensively. Interesting. Why do you say that, Jim? I I just think with Embiid on either Robert Williams or Al Horford, whoever you want to put in. Um, I think your only real trouble area is Tobias. I think you would have him on Tatum probably. Um, I think him or if you put PJ Tucker on Tatum, maybe that's your only weak spot, but and be patrolling the paint. I just have a trust in Doc Rivers to formulate some sort of defense that always has Embiid revolving in that center to where he can pop out to, you know, not double team Tatum, but, you know, being that extra set of eyes on him that if he drives and he gets the defender gets beat, there's Embiid right there, the best of I think the best defender in the league. So the Celtics always have trouble with Embiid. I would I would love to see his stats against the Celtics this season because you said he had 52 in the yeah. last game. I feel like he always has 40 points in it because Al Horford, he's obviously declining he's getting towards the end of his career robert williams is only like six eight there's so much he can do to mm-hmm. get him beat face um so i think your points are about if maxi does show up he hasn't really this season against the celtics but if yeah. if he can score 20 like you said it's it changes the whole momentum of the game and i think we saw that when you guys would play the nets he would Pull out some step yeah. back three. Harden's been teaching him, man. Where he Maxie's been he, amazing. He'd start yelling, and it would they'd have to call a timeout, and then you guys took the game away. Yeah, and I think that's probably the part I'm most scared for. And Bead's gonna get 30, 40 every single night, but it's it's just the role players. Yeah, no, Maxie's been electric over the past month. I, I continue to sing his praises. I think he's took a ton of steps. Zach, a couple things to what you were talking about. So going back to Derek White, also so. Boston's been rolling in this series against Atlanta. White's in the starting lineup. You've had Time Lord coming off the bench. Now, in the past, what Boston's really tried to do against Embiid, to my to my memory, is you, you use that commanding, that sizable front court to try and slow him. But not only has Embiid, you know, taken a lot of growth this year, as made a lot of growth this year, as you know, getting out of those double teams, making the pass to the open Tucker, to the open Tyrese Maxey, whoever it is. Not only has he improved there. But he's also just playing out of his mind. So, Zach, do you think in the in a series against the Sixers, do you want Boston to revert to that starting lineup with Horford and Williams that they had mainly last year in the playoffs to kind of combat and beat size? Or would you rather keep those hounds of smart and white in there and try to, you know, continue to, to continue to disrupt Harden during these playoffs and maybe also try to slow down uh, Maxi's scoring uh, scoring streak? I'd probably put time word back in. I think you got your guards are also just bigger than Derek White and Marcus Smart. Um, not Max necessarily, yeah. but Melton. Yeah, when Melton uh, comes in, yeah. It's it'll be a scary sight. And I'd like to see Grant Williams come back in the rotation <laughs> again. I think last year's playoffs, he did a great job guarding Giannis. And when he would come in off the bench, he he's a great defender. And so when Al Horford or Time would go to the bench. You have a big presence to come off the bench. I know Blake Griffin kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if defensively he's going to hold up. He's, <laughs> he might hit some corner threes against you guys like yeah, last game. That was bad, yeah. I it, The lineup has to be bigger. I, I think you guys are just too big to 
guard with essentially three guards on the floor with Jalen Brown, Derek White, and Marcus Smart. Right. Yeah, Jim, too. So Zach's, Zach's, Zach wants to roll with the bigs. We saw Brooklyn kind of try to just throw a bunch of size, throw a bunch of bodies at Embiid. And, yeah, they did injure him to a degree. But at the same time, Embiid, especially in those first two games, he was still having his way. Now, Boston, a lot smarter, a lot more disciplined of a team than the Nets. It feels like they would, you know, balance the double teaming of Embiid better than just the Nets who just kept sending it and sending it, leaving our three-point shooters wide open. I kind of want to pose the same question to you, Jim, as a, as a Sixers fan here. Would you rather Boston roll with that big man lineup, try to slow Embiid down and just hope Embiid can overcome it? Uh, or would you rather them go with the two guards and make Embiid's time even easier? When when you ask me which I'd rather have, I'm assuming which I think the Sixers will best be able to score off yeah. of. Yeah. So, what do you think the Sixers – Yeah, so – What do you think Boston would do that would make it an advantage for the Sixers? Honestly, I think – going with a bigger lineup would give the Sixers a better advantage because there, there's, I don't think there's anybody in the league that stops Embiid. So you could throw anyone, double team, anything. He's still going to get his, his – he's still going to do what he does. And so when you have a bigger lineup on the court and a little bit of a slower lineup, it allows that ability for Embiid to be able to find that open pass across court because his vision is so good it, his ability to just find the open man, um, I think with a bigger lineup will allow, you know, the recovery to be a little bit slower. And so hopefully Maxi Harris, PJ Tucker, you know, they can hit it, but if they can't hit it, um, I hope that they're in a smaller lineup so that Embiid can get his down low. Like they kind of did in the last game when they played, because they threw out Robert Williams to start. And I think Embiid had 10 or 12 points in the first seven minutes of the game. Yeah. I think Robert Williams is a little, he's, even though he's a good defender, he is, he's not quite seven foot. He is a little shorter for that center position. So I was going to say one, I, I took into account PJ Tucker missing shots. I said throughout the bigger lineup. I think yeah. that's, that's honestly something that I would live with is if PJ Tucker starts consistently knocking down threes and mm-hmm. then you kind of plan to defend it. Right. Um, that's just, what went through my head yeah because he's not going to like pj tucker's skill set is you know, hopefully he makes a couple of threes but if he's killing you on the threes then maybe yeah you change but like like zach said if if he makes a couple okay i'm at least Embiid's not doing his damage down low or yeah. maxi's getting 30 almost so yeah jim on tucker in that net series what, what did you think of his performance? Because I was really pleased with him. He was hustling. He was making these – he's getting all these offensive rebounds. He's playing physical. But in most of the games, I think maybe one game he hit a lot more threes than he did the other three. But most of those games, those corner threes were still not quite falling in the spots we really needed them. And my thing about Tucker that I do worry about, especially if Boston goes bigger, is that, yeah, as great of a rebounder and a hustler as he is, if Horford and Williams are out there, it's going to be a lot harder for him to contribute in that way. And I don't know, I feel like at certain points, those big bodies can somewhat out physical him, even though he does bring the effort time and time again. Do you think there's a world where, you know, Tucker maybe lends some of his minutes to Melton because it, it really does depend on what Boston does. Cause I think Melton, if, if, if they're rolling with white and Brogdon and, and smart and even Brown, like Melton can find more minutes and maybe Tucker isn't as much, isn't quite as necessary, but I feel like Tucker's going to need to be out there if they have those two bigs, because otherwise 
rebounding is going to be a hard time. Yeah, if they're if they're rolling with two bigs, you have to have PJ Tucker out there. But I think to start the game, you put PJ Tucker out there and give him the majority of the minutes over D, uh, DeAnthony Melton just because of um, he's just a tone setter and his ability to you know, not get in players' heads, but you know he's he's an aggressive guy and he's vocal on the court. And that definitely has some sort of impact, whether it's positive or negative on his teammates or it's positive or negative on um, the opposing players. So I think setting the tone early with P.J. Tucker and then introducing DeAnthony Melton later in the game is something that the Sixers can definitely roll with. But like you said at the beginning, I think P.J. Tucker played a terrific um, opening series for the playoffs. Um, He didn't offensively wasn't there, but, you know, defensively. And like I said, that tone setting. Um, for the games, he was really, really um, impactful in that series. And I think without him, Sixers probably wouldn't have won. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I think he was huge in that series. And just to get back to Jim also, on another point, kind of keeping with this tone of – or keeping with this theme of the Celtics rolling with the two-big lineup, what's your thoughts on Harden going into this series? Because we saw him have a, a terrible time getting to the line, getting to the rim against Brooklyn. And Claxton's a really good player. When you go against Boston as a scheme, as a team, the the defensive culture they've helped to build, they've built over the past few years. Like Harden, he did have some really good games against Brooklyn, making threes, things of that nature. But I don't know. This Boston defense is tough. Are you worried that Harden's going to continue to have some struggles, or do you think this can be a, a get right series for him? He can't get in his head too much where he's like, I need to get my points. I need to do what I need to do. Um, and if he knows when to, you know, dish the ball when he knows to take his shots, he'll be in a good situation. But I do think this is a series where I think it has to be a series where he kind of finds his rhythm and finds his role in this playoff run. Um, Because if the Sixers want to do anything, I think their toughest test is Boston. And so if they can get through Boston, Harden can figure out what he means to the Sixers team in this series against Boston. Sixers will be a hard team to beat. And I think regardless, whoever wins this series, presuming that the Celtics beat the Hawks, yeah, uh, they face each other <laughs> in a couple of days. But um, if the Sixers and Sixers and Celtics, this team's coming out of the East, and I think this team also wins the finals. So I think yeah. this is their series right now. I completely agree with that. I really do think this is like the finals team deciding series. Zach, what do you think about that? Yeah, it reminds me of Celtics Bucks kind of last yeah. season. I think everyone knew that the winner of that would be going to the finals. I don't know about winning the finals, um, but I think the West is a lot weaker. So I, I can definitely get behind the winner yeah. of an alleged, hopefully, <laughs> Celtics Sixers series would probably be the favorite for the finals. I mean, the Celtics already, before last night, they were the favorite. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that remains the same, but it it could definitely happen. Yeah, once again, I, I don't – as funny as it was and crazy as it was to see Trey Young go off like that, I do certainly still think Boston's going to win. We can talk a bit about the Bucs here briefly. Like, Giannis missed two games, and all of a sudden, Jimmy Butler, 56 points in game four, I believe it was. All of a sudden, the Heat are a win away from being the first eight seed to win a series in over a decade. And if the Bucs go down – I mean, I don't think the Knicks – I like that Knicks team a ton. I've been tweeting about them for two weeks now, but Knicks Heat, they don't scare me for either of these teams. Sixers, Celtics, we can get a, we can we can agree on that and that I do think that those teams won't pose a threat. 
I'll be honest, I'm scared of the Knicks. They always okay. give us a hard time. In the yeah, that quickly season. game. That quickly game was crazy. RJ Barrett always hits the most ridiculous shots <laughs> of his entire career. Um, now, whether that happens in the playoffs or not, I'm not sure because obviously people are going to be more locked in. Yeah, but I, you guys probably play better against the Knicks than we do. Okay, but I'd, I'd be a lot more nervous. Yeah, to I play think- the Knicks. Than you guys to play. Yeah, because the Knicks kind of have an answer for your front court of like, you know, they can throw Mitch out there. Randall's also, he's a tough uh, defensive yeah. matchup for both your bigs where Embiid can just kind of waltz into New York and put up 40 and it's no problem. Yeah. So I would agree with that. Jim, what do you what do you think about this whole Bucks ordeal right now? I think the Bucks are in a, like, that's why I didn't even mention them in the beginning because they're right. they're just so out of it. I don't see them winning three straight games to overcome the, the the heat i mean jimmy butler is james butler as brett brown would yeah, say yeah so, that was james uh, butler last yeah night. that was james butler brett brown night. Night. that's the closest <laughs> um uh but yeah i just think that the heat are a different team right now i think even though that like zach said the knicks might be scarier like on paper it's about who gets hot and it I, I don't I it was the bubble year when Miami just got hot at the right time during the playoffs and made it all the way to the finals. And right. I just think this is another scenario where uh Jimmy Buckets can uh, get hot, but not like you said. I whoever Celtics Sixers, whoever comes out of this presumed series that is supposed to happen, um, yeah, they're they're going to the finals. I completely agree. One last topic we can touch on before we end here. You know, someone has to lose this series. And I think it could be a six or seven game, or I think it's going to be one of the better ones in this playoffs. I think these two teams are both really good. So James Harden's a free agent this summer, and Jalen Brown has the potential to be a free agent this summer as well. We've heard rumors linking both of these guys to the Houston Rockets, who have a ton of cap space to spend. They just hired former Celtics coach Ime Adoka as their new coach, uh, which is a bad sign Jalen Brown-wise. But Harden, you know, obviously Rocket for a very long time. Woj won't give it up. He keeps giving us these reports that Harden loves the Houston lifestyle. Yeah, these baloney reports, dude. Yeah. They, They're crazy. They, right. But Woj keeps telling us that Harden wants to go back to that Houston lifestyle. He wants to live there, uh, even though he said he wants to compete for a championship and not go back to those those losers down in Houston. They just fired Steven Silas. Uh, but as I said, they brought in Ime, who obviously last season got it a team great to the finals. Coach. Yeah. He's a great coach, did some – Questionable things, I guess, off the off the court. But uh, Zach, I guess starting with you because I think it's a little more realistic, Jalen Brown wise, because of Ime's presence now. If Jalen Brown, he has the potential to make the All NBA team, and if he does, the Celtics can give him a super max contract. So money wise, he'd have an incentive to want to stay in Boston. But you were we were talking about this uh, before the pod. Like, there's also a a sense that, you know, with all the Durant trade rumors this past summer and also the sense of like Jalen Brown's kind of viewed as the second guy to Tatum, like would he have the desire to go elsewhere? What's your thoughts on this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, rumors of him leaving started when people were saying we tried to trade him for Kevin Durant. Yeah. And I think they reestablished again this season where he he didn't look that thrilled during a press conference. Um, so yeah, I mean, Ime kind of strengthens the ties there. Um, but I honestly I honestly don't. I think he'd stay in Boston if Boston wins a championship okay. and he gets paid um, because the Celtics 
with Tatum and Jalen are built for a long time. It will be interesting. I don't think Jalen Brown should leave Boston, but I also, it's for the same reason that I said Boston shouldn't trade him to begin with for Kevin Durant. I was like, this guy's this good already. He got better this year, averaging 27 a game. Yeah, like He gets better every year. Yeah, he really has. I'm, I'm a big fan of Jalen Brown. So I think it would be crazy that this – I thought it was crazy the Celtics wanted to trade him, but also from his end, I think he'd be crazy to want to leave Boston for Houston when he has such a great, you know, great great team, great teammates with him right now. Yeah, I mean, it's up in the air, but the Houston would give him the opportunity to be the number yeah. one guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I find myself – wondering why he doesn't take the last shot sometimes he'll 40 on like perfect shooting that's not against Atlanta is a perfect example but I don't, I don't know I think we've started to see him get more opportunity um after the all-star break in this season overall yeah but it's it's up in the air it's definitely the rumors definitely have some they have some weight to them but I I don't know I, I don't think he'll leave yeah I I think especially if you can give him that big contract. Like, I I know I don't want to say it's all about money for him, but that's kind of hard to turn down. Money talks. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. Now, Jim, speaking on the theme of money talks, like the Sixers, I think the holdup with Harden, in my opinion, is he's kind of trying to use Houston to leverage us to give him this big contract. My thing is, though, like a five-year max or a four-year max for James Harden at this age, like it's kind of concerning and I wouldn't want to do it. So I'm hoping, you know, this relationship between Maury and Harden, you know, can get iron, like they can iron things out to where Harden gets the money close to the money he wants, but he doesn't leave for a, a bad team in Houston. Jim, you don't, you don't seem to be entertaining the Harden rumors at all. I'm a little more concerned. I, I trust Woj at this point. He breaks a lot of stories. Just what's your thoughts on the Harden situation here? Like, I'd hate to be, like, a conspiracy theorist, but, like, I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist for this. I think somebody, like you said, like, James Harden's trying to get the Sixers to give him this giant contract. And I think somebody in Harden's camp who is a respectable source is, you know, going to to people and saying, yeah, James is interested in going back to Houston. James doesn't mind it. He likes working out there. He likes living there. He, you know, has his house there. He spends his office, whatever it may be, you know. Yeah, that (laughs) might be true, but. You know, why would that come out the day the Sixers are about to? What was that game two, or was that was yeah, that even it was eight last week? Yeah, like that report's been coming out all season, and for it again, have have it again come out the day that the, I just think it's it's trying to stir the pot. Um, but I don't think the Sixers should even entertain it because with Tyrese Maxey skyrocketing at the yeah. end of this season. And him deserving a contract with either at the end of this season or during next season, he's going to need a max contract. And, you know, Tobias is on a max right now. He is like one or two left, I think. And Bede is on his. Um, Harden's a big cap hit. And you're going to have another max with Maxi. So I just think you you don't have room to be giving a four or five-year contract to Harden. I think you have to look at it in the sense that play year by year what what if if the Sixers end up winning the championship this year I think that is like a reason for Harden to say you know what maybe I will stay and take a little bit less but if they don't end up winning I wouldn't mind if he walks really because Maxie and Embiid can still do their thing and 
you know, that leaves room for another opportunity to invite somebody in like culture, my culture first team, <laughs> Dame Lil. So yeah, Damian Lillard. L- listen, I like what Harden's done a lot, but if we somehow go from Harden to Lillard, uh, I'd be very happy because Damian Lillard is one of my favorite players. I hope it doesn't come to that though. I want to keep this team together, Jim, and I know I think you do as well. I agree. I think Harden, Harden and the Sixers, like I said, they got to get in a room. Like Harden, give him a two-year max contract. That's fine, and we can renegotiate yeah, again in two years. Why can't we pay him the money he wants? But just for a shorter time. I understand why he wants as much money as he can get for for his life. But I don't know. It just feels like in this situation when we're when the Sixers are so close on that doorstep, there's got to be some give and take here. And I know Harden wants to say last last offseason he took a pay cut, whatever. Like I don't know. I don't know what it's to say. Dope. I don't think that guy should be getting paid forty million dollars when he's thirty seven. When he's already starting to decline. He's still been really good, but he is starting to decline. I agree, Joe. Before we go, just one last thing. Hopefully, neither of our star players, our second best players, winds up in Houston this offseason. Before we go, Celtics Sixers series predictions. Who you got and how many games? Zach Allen, starting with you. Celtics and six. I mean, if you look six. at if you okay. look at Jason Tam's career stats in Philly. Wow, they he has a winning in Philly. <laughs> Unreal. He's eight and one in the playoffs against the Sixers. So if the history repeats itself. Celtics and six. Okay. That's what I'm going. This series after the Celtics win, it'll it'll be the spark that they need going forward. Okay. You think they're gonna get motivated off a little yeah. Trey Young pushback? Okay. Nice try. Okay. I'm gonna go Sixers and seven. Have to do it. Uh, I think this is gonna be a great series, very competitive. Like we talked about, like the Celtics have a lot of different looks they can throw at the Sixers, they can mix it up. It's gonna be about how do the Sixers sp- respond and can Embiid. And also, Max, he continue their hot streaks. I think Embiid's going to – he's going to use this extra rest. He's going to get healthy. He's going to be back to that Embiid we need him to be by the, the end of the series. Doc Rivers is going to outcoach Joe Maz. It's going to be the first Doc Rivers playoff series where he was the better coach, and I can't wait. Sixers and seven. Jim, what do you say? He's going to say Sixers and four after what I just said. <laughs> Let me preface it with this. <laughs> if, the six, if the Celtics are going – the Celtics, S-C-L-L Celtics, are yeah. going to with for six games with the Hawks. There's not a shot this Sixers team is not beating them. Um, Sixers are going to have at least almost close to 10 days of rest. Uh, that's my second point of I was wanted to preface. But Sixers aren't winning in this series in six in Philadelphia. They take game one or two in Boston, and then uh, they take both at home and you know, go back to Boston, lose five, and they come back for six and take it. So Sixers and six. I love it. I love to hear that. I hope it happens. So that's going to do it for this edition of Trust the Podcast. Thank you to Zach. Thank you to Jim for hopping on here to preview this series. Hopefully it happens, Zach. Hopefully we get this series. Oh, it's, it's not, better pull this no, off. Hopefully we yeah. get this series. <laughs> it's happening. This might be the most outdated Trust the Podcast ever in a couple of days. But if it doesn't happen, I'll go into a hole. For- <laughs> <laughs> fair enough thank you guys for listening make sure to follow trust the podcast on spotify or apple i'll have more more episodes coming as this Sixers celtics series finally gets going in a couple days here once the celtics finally get away from atlanta and other than that sixers and seven baby trust the process six title season let's go